to down to down to. Yeah, um, missed and peeved. Missed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be missed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it. That's your vocab? Down to down. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, also featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, we had uh, a weird week, uh, <laughs> basketball-wise. <laughs> Let's put it this way. A very weird week. Yeah, it's not, it's not been the greatest Thunder week. Uh, you know, they lost to the Jazz the other night in pretty convincing fashion uh, in a game where Russell Westbrook like didn't shoot the ball in the fourth quarter, where he had crazy bad turnovers throughout the game and he didn't look like himself at all and a game where he afterwards made a guarantee that he's going to shut down Ricky Rubio which like that entire sentence is just so absurd like it just makes no sense to me that we're having to say Russell guaranteed that he's going to shut down Ricky Rubio like that's not a sentence in 2018 but apparently it is no, it doesn't make any sense. And I wonder if these will actually happen. And like, I don't even know uh, what does it mean? It means like Rubio doesn't take a shot or it means that he will play like he did play against Harden for the last five minutes of that Houston OKC game. Uh, because I think that and number wise, um, it, it, it is the case that uh, the problem with Russ guarding Rubio is not just Rubio's production, because in three games, yes, he, he scored quite a bit on Russ, but the issue is what he's creating for others mm-hmm. uh, when Russ is guarding him. Um, it's it's a tricky proposition to say, I will shut down a player when probably letting him shoot is the best way to deal with him. Not completely wide open, not completely wide open from the corners, but for the rest, I mean... Like the last game, Utah shot 19, 9 of 11 from like mid range. Mm-hmm. That is incredibly weird to have, like a weird stat because yeah. I mean, you, you expect to have like 60% if a team shoots particularly well, but 9 out of 11 means like they had a crazy night. And I don't know if I would overreact in that, uh, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, and Rubio himself, 26 points. He had the triple-double, first playoff triple-double since John Stockton, which I'm sure that you Thunder fans have heard a thousand times, which is just like the most annoying stat ever. But he he was really good, and I don't know if he can continue to be really good like this, even, even if they guard him the same way, even if Russell just lays off of him and shows the complete lack of respect that he has so far. I don't know that he plays like that again, but if Russell will defend because Russell was bad and to me, like if I were to summarize this game or this series so far, this team goes as Russell Westbrook goes, 
We've been saying that all year. I think Nikki Kay said that. I think she was like the first person I heard, like or the first person I read that tweeted that. And it's just like, oh yeah, I mean that's a hundred percent true. And they went as Russ went on Saturday night, and it went very poorly. He was a minus, was he a minus twenty five? Yes, in his, thir- in his thirty seven minutes, uh, five of seventeen from the floor. Uh, he was absolutely abysmal. And I don't, I don't think the Thunder can recover from that. You know, it, it's Paul George didn't have a great defensive game either. And I think that those guys just take a cue from him. You know, when they see him sagging off a guy, I think that they take that cue. Whenever he's ups the intensity, I think they take that cue as well. When they're when he's attacking, I think they're attacking. Like he is the leader of this team, and until he shows up, you know, the, Th- the Thunder can't win this series if he doesn't show up. If he doesn't show up tonight in Utah, the Thunder aren't winning this series. They're just not. Like, they need to get this game. Mathematically, they don't have to get this game. Um, But they need to get this game. They really do. Steven Adams, you know, everybody kind of gave cliche answers about, is this a must win? Steven Adams just looked right at the reporters and just nodded his head. Yeah. Yeah. It's a must win. Like, they do. They (laughs) need to win it. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, uh, except for Paul George game one, the best, the three best players of OKC, uh, meaning Russ, Adams, and Paul George, had very bad, a very bad series. Yeah. So you, you can count, you cannot count like Paul George because he basically won Game One just by himself, by right. being like super hot. Um, but even even in that game, I mean, I thought they they played well for ten minutes. Um, like they 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 start off poorly, then in the second quarter, the second unit. Um, gained some steam, and then in the third, in the third, the first unit with Russ basically killed Utah. So yeah. it was one quarter when they made a huge run, about twenty points or so, and then the game was over. Uh, but for the others, um, eleven quarters basically, OKC got outplayed by Utah because the three main players of OKC played very, very poorly. And you can, if you want, you can say that Melo pick and roll defense is a problem. It is. Uh, it, it, of course, but if you have like if you have Melo uh, playing like he did, and the other three players playing at a better in a better way, like the way they are supposed to, then you're not you're not talking about Melo's pick and roll defense at all. Right. And to me, uh, the issue is that Steven cannot have like a dominant game uh, in in his bread and butter, which is uh, getting offensive rebounds. And Paul George. He's supposed to be a depoy or, or in depoy conversation. And if you're a depoy, then you cannot making as many mistakes as he did in the last two games. And Russ, mm-hmm. we already covered. He he was probably, and believe me, it, it is hurting for me to say these words. He was the worst player on the court, like among like the the, the twenty or twenty four players um, that saw the court in the in the first three games of the series. Because of him, his negative impact is is incredibly bad for OKC, and so you cannot win a series like that. On the other hand, I think that this is a low for us, and he knows that. And when he knows that this kind of stuff, then it usually uh, has like we'll see a reaction from him uh, uh-huh. in Game Four. Yeah, I tweeted with like nine minutes and forty something seconds left in the game. The Thunder were only down seven. Uh, Felton and Paul George went on a little run, and I 
tweeted that Russell's coming in the game. <laughs> and it was like, just kind of like for a note for myself for after the game. And, uh, you know, once he came in, it was over. Mm. It was all over. He, he just wasn't aggressive. He wasn't executing. He wasn't playing any defense. I mean, it was just, it's just weird. It's weird to see that version of Russell Westbrook. And I don't know if it's injury related. You know, he said he's dealing with stuff. He's being treated on the bench for certain things with his shoulder and his, he's got ice packs on his knees and, you know, but to me, it's all, it seems to be up in his head more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the way that he is not aggressively trying to get to the basket. You know, I don't think Gobert, I need to look this up, um, but I don't think Gobert's blocked him you know, a ton of times in this game, in this series. Uh, but he just refuses to go in there. And I feel like if he would, and he tried to draw fouls, uh, I feel like he could get himself going, but he doesn't appear to be getting many foul calls. I don't know how you feel about how this series has been officiated so far. I feel like it's been a, a poorly officiated series on both sides, but I really don't like the way that they've officiated Steven Adams. No, we neither. I mean, um, he got a lot of silly fouls and calls that were not exactly fouls. Um, one being probably the, the call that um, shifted game two, uh, which was the um, Mitchell drive that end, uh, ended the, the third quarter when he got a foul. And it, it was just a very good defense from him and Abrinas. Um so no, I didn't particularly like the the way uh, Steven is getting uh, these calls, and I I don't know uh, if it's just referee related, but the Utah free throw rate has improved dramatically in this season. So Utah and OKC are pretty similar in terms of how many free throws they allow. Utah for the season, if I don't recall, um, it's twenty four percent of free throws uh, per hundred possession allowed. Um, and in OKC is 20, 25%. So it's actually very close. And OKC is attempting um, below 25% uh, in these playoffs. And Utah is at 32. So, it, and it's actually, uh, so Utah in the regular season is bottom five in free throw rate. And now it's the third thing in, uh, in the playoffs at 32. 32 would have been like the best rate for the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Part of that is I don't I'm not sure they are attacking um, the basket all that much. I mean, yes, Mitchell does, um, but there are some things that are not uh, normal in terms of uh, this free throw rate, and I I don't know why. Um, but as you said, I think that Russ needs to be aggressive, more aggressive, mm-hmm. and he has to cut out all the. Uh, Empty possessions uh, that characterize basically the first three games of the of this series because they had like a crazy amount of turnovers that were unforced. Mm-hmm. And if you are trying to, as, as Russ said after the after the game, I need to read my first option. Yes, you have to do that because sometimes your first option is not great because facing Gobert is not the best thing. But if that is the thing that Utah is leaving you and like the alternative is to try to jump and find some shooter that is that is not leading you anywhere yeah and so i don't know another thing that i want to point out and then i'll I'll stop this uh semi-rant is 
OKC started off game three particularly well offensively. They generated six corner threes in just, just in the first quarter. Can you guess the number of corner threes in the, in the second half? One. One in the fourth quarter, and it was uh, probably one uh, that Ferguson took. Yes. Like Anything. before Russ going out uh, of the game, they basically generated two corner trees in the second quarter, none in the third and none in the first nine minutes of the fourth. And this to me, like corner trees are just execution. And so if you are not generating corner trees, it means that you are not executing on offense. And, and this is very, very um, fixable uh, in terms of uh, what OKC can do to win game four. It is stick with what works, which is generating the most efficient shots in basketball. And if you if you keep up with the corner trees, the defense of Utah will be spread. And I'm not even taking about um, speaking about like making corner trees, just taking them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I liked the the lineup with Patterson at center. It obviously didn't work out in the second half, but when they were rolling there in the first quarter. Uh, it was because of that Patterson lineup and they were kind of stretching Gobert out and they're, and they were getting things that they wanted and, you know, Utah adjusted and they were less effective and Russell was just less effective period after that mm-hmm. first quarter. Um, but I, I like that look and I think that's something that we'll see again. Uh, they'll, they'll just struggle on the boards, um, during those times. And I, I don't think they really did in the first quarter. I think that's, that's why it worked, but they, they've got to be really intentional, uh, with their rebounding, all of them do. You know, it can't just be Russell. It can't just be, <clears throat> you know, two Pat down there by himself. It's got to be a group effort to rebound. Uh, looking at these plus minus uh, numbers on the series, Russell Westbrook is a team worst minus 31 total in these three mm-hmm. games. Yes. And then Paul George is second at a minus 18. Stephen Adams minus 16. Patterson minus 15, Mello minus 15, Brewer minus 14. And then, you know, the Thunder won the bench battle pretty much. Like, yes. Outside of Patterson, all the other bench guys are, are a positive. Abrina's a plus 15 on the series. Jeremy Grant, a plus 14. So, and Raymond Felton, a plus two. Like, the Thunder have won that battle. And that's, that's the battle that you thought, you know, the Thunder may not, they may not win that. Like they may not be able to win those bench minutes, but they have, they've done that. It's just like the, the starters cannot be this abysmal. Steven Adams in particular has not been good or effective or thrown Gobert off at all. You know, the past two games and that's a problem. The foul trouble is a huge problem for him. And it's just weird because he's not a guy that's like constantly in foul trouble. And, and that's why I don't like the way they've officiated him so far. Um, you know, and maybe maybe most of them are fouls, but there's a few here and there that I would definitely disagree with. But he's got to be better. Russell has to be better. Like if those two, like if Adams can stay in the game and Russell shows up and is Russell Westbrook, like the Thunder can roll. Like they can they can beat this Jazz team. And right now, like it feels impossible. It feels like the series is is slipping out of their hands, and it is. But these seven game series can turn quickly. And I think that's like the, the silver lining in this is not like, I can't grab a silver lining like from the actual game, but the silver lining is this series can turn quickly. And if they win tonight then they come back to Oklahoma city for game five 
and they're in a best of three series with two games at home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It turn, yeah, I mean, it turns quickly. It really does. And right now it feels, it does not feel great, but the Thunder can show up and if they can attack and if they can play defense and, you know, stick to their man and stick to the game plan, I think they can win. I don't, I don't know. We can talk about Billy here in a second, but I'll, I'll let you go. Yes. I don't think that this series is over. Uh, I mean, we had two very one way game. The first one, if you take out like the Burks minute and um, the last one. And in the second one, basically OKC uh, lost because of offensive rebounds and missing open shots. And these two things are very fixable. So I don't think uh, the series is over. Uh, I do think that they have to to play uh, so much better in terms of, uh, as we said, execution. And so I don't have like any... Um, like having hope after a game like this... Um, may sound like counterintuitive. Right. But in the end, again, you're betting on Russ being this bad again. I I would not bet on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, on your point about, about Steven Adams, again, I mean, both him and Gobert create a tons of contacts. And sometimes uh, things are officiating in the same way. Sometimes they are not. Because it's extremely hard. Like, uh, I rewatched two times uh, the block uh, of Rudy Gobert on Jeremy Grant. Well, the block was clean, uh, perfectly clean. The issue was that with the off-end, Gobert basically um, hit both arms of Jeremy, which was unable to raise the ball enough to, uh, to score and got blocked. So that specific action uh, in real time is almost impossible to to see. And so it's very hard uh, to have a consistent officiating uh, on bigs. I hope that the referees will go back and see that some of the ticky-tack fouls that, that they uh, gave to Adams were actually bad calls. And some of the uh, drives, both from Russell and from Jeremy, uh, were actually fouls. And mm-hmm. so maybe they will adjust. Uh, it's, again, it's not a critique on the referees because I, I had to look at the clip twice uh, in slow motion to see that with the, I think it was the right arm, Gobert actually touched uh, Jeremy's um, shooting hand. So I don't know, but prob- we can also see that these uh, two uh, games uh, fouling out uh, of Steven are just uh, an outlier. Right. Uh, let's talk about something good before we continue talking about this series. <laughs> That's Andy's frozen custard. Uh, you can go to Andy's here in Oklahoma City. They have locations in Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, Florida, all these different states. And I know we have listeners. Uh, and most of them, please go eat at Andy's. It's delicious. You can go get an assortment of concretes. I'm going to tell you about a couple of them today. The butter pecan concrete. It's uh, Andy's frozen custard blended with butterscotch and roasted pecans. Ooh, they have the mint chip concrete. It's frozen custard blended with mint syrup and melted chocolate chips. It's the bomb. They have the jackhammer, uh, which is filled in the center with uh caramel and it also has um pretzels in it and it's i mean it's just unbelievable so you've got to go check out andy's today uh they also have just regular sundays that you can get their ozark turtle if you're just looking for something signature that's what i would get it's got hot fudge cream caramel roasted pecans and it's got a cherry on top so good they make their custard fresh hour by hour 
So it's just unbelievable. You got to go check out Andy's today. Support the people that support us and eat an Andy's frozen custard. So, McKelly, what do, what do you think about the job that Billy Donovan has done so far? Because I, I tweeted something to the effect of that Billy has not been the biggest problem for the Thunder so far. And uh, some people are pretty mad at me for, for saying that. <laughs> I didn't say that he wasn't a problem. I feel like there are some things that he could have done better. Uh, but to me, like I feel like he's got a pretty good game plan. And like you can see it out there working at times. Uh, and then you can see like the players not executing it well. And so people are like, well, it's a coach's job to get them to execute it well. You know what? These are professional athletes. These are yes. dudes that don't, like, you don't, these aren't high school kids. Like these aren't middle school kids where you have to like be like their motivator. Like these dudes are on national television. These guys mm-hmm. make millions of dollars. Like they don't need a dude out there motivating them, you know, I just think I think that's just a weird it's a, it's a weird approach to it because I don't think that Billy necessarily is should be the guy to motivate them especially in a playoff series. I mean Antonio Daniel said that he was never motivated by a coach. Yeah. He was only uh he was motivated by the fact that he wanted to be a good basketball player and that he wanted to play. You know, if if at this point in their lives they need Billy to motivate them to play defense or to motivate them to do something, then then something's wrong and they're definitely not winning the series. If like it all hinges on Billy motivating them to do it. Um but I I don't know. I I, I feel like Billy's catching some flack and he always does. in losses like it's always like he's the first one that gets it. And to me, like yeah, you can give you can give some critiques here and there for him. The person that should be getting it is Russ and Steven Adams and Paul George and Carmelo. Like those are the guys that should be getting it. Like if you're going to be mad at somebody, I don't, I don't think Billy is necessarily the target for, for what's happened so far. Uh, I completely agree. Uh, we just discussed the fact that Russ was by far the worst player. So uh, Billy cannot win a series where is MVP candidate is literally the worst player on the court. Uh, you may argue that he didn't put Russ in the best possible conditions. And I may agree uh, on that sentence because especially against the defense that likes to, um, to play one-on-one, to, they basically never double him because of the Gobert factor at the rim. Um, and as soon as uh, there is a non-shooter on the court, uh, which is, or let's say, not an effective shooter on the court like Brewer or Grant. They completely um, pack the paint and they don't care about him shooting the ball. So it's not the best way uh, to put Russell uh, in uh, in a lineup. So on that hand, yes, Billy could have put uh, more shooting uh, with Westbrook. So for example, playing Abrinus more, which I thought was okay. Uh, in every game of this series. Uh, and But like apart from that, apart from having maybe a bit more of shooting on the court, I mean, Billy tried a lot of things. And I don't believe that Billy said to either Russ or Paul to sag off Ingles to double team favors, uh, basically 20 feet away from the basket. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. So if they miss the rotation, five or six times and Utah scored 18 points on those situations. 
what can Billy do? I mean, they prepare the, the, the game because in the first quarter, where everyone was healthy and basically probably uh, not tired and probably with the mind in the right place, they played a very, very good defensive game and an awesome offensive game, even with, with Russ shooting the ball as he was. Mm-hmm. So I don't really blame Billy. Again, uh, as the game goes, you probably want more adjustments and probably you want more shooting because, again, against Utah, you have to play the best shooter that, that you have. And so if it, that was me, I would play uh, Abrinas a lot more. Uh, but like Billy Donovan cannot say to Adams, just don't make fouls. Uh, right. He yeah. can't. So uh, He could, so, but what, he, well, it's not going to control after anything. The, after the third, he probably said, well, Steven, you have to be careful. And in like 50 seconds, he basically had his four fouls. So oh, I, uh, there's a limit on what a coach can do. And even even though like I think that uh, Quinn Snyder is having a wonderful series yeah. and probably a better series than Donovan, if Russ plays... If Russ makes his mid-range shots, which are completely open, by the way, three of 11 in wide open mid-range shots for Russ, uh, if Russ make, makes that shot, the series change. Yeah. Uh, Queen Snyder is betting on Russ not hitting that shot. Betting, um, uh, Donovan is betting on Rubio not, not making that shot. Well, right. Billy is losing because Rubio is 5 of 5 from mid-range and Russ is 3 for, for 11. Would, mm-hmm. would you, like, you listener... Would you have bet differently at the beginning yeah. of the series? Yeah. I don't know. Me, I, I personally, I wouldn't bet against Russ uh, versus Rubio. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Is that Rubio is making Snyder look like a genius, and Russell is making Billy look like an idiot? <laughs> well, you can summarize that this way. Which is it's so funny. I mean, uh, take out take out the involvement, the fact that Russ is losing uh, where the shot quality is pretty similar between his and Rubio mm-hmm. is actually completely hilarious because you don't expect that to happen in a playoff series. Right. Yeah, it's it's nonsensical. <laughs> it really is. Um, I want to talk about some lineups and then I don't know what else we're going to talk about, to be honest. Like, we didn't really plan a lot for this. We're, we, it's hard to talk about losses. <laughs> It really is. I have is. a game, though. I have a okay, game. Okay, good. We can okay. play a game. We got a game. Uh, we'll talk about lineups. And we'll do a game. Uh, let's see. So in 48 minutes together, the starting lineup is a minus four. Um, but the... Let's see. I was going to look at who are the best lineups out on the court. Yeah, so this is this is interesting. Um Felton, Brewer, Adams, Paul George, and Jeremy Grant, which are no, they've only played four minutes together, but they're they're a plus seven. And if you look at all these units that are a positive plus minus, it's mostly bench units. And like that's it. Except for this one. And they played eleven minutes together, and it's Jeremy Grant in for Steven Adams. They're a plus six on the series. Yes, and you know, and they played. They gave that role to Patterson, and mm-hmm. it worked for a stretch. Um, but I just wonder if if we'll if we'll see more of that uh, because it, it had it had been effective 
um, at least in those eleven minutes. And it's it's tough to look at lineup data. Yes, in it's, three, it's almost three, in three games. It's dangerous. Yeah, it is because it could be fleeting. Like you don't know exactly what happened in those minutes. It could just be a few made shots. Um, exactly. But also, I don't know that lineups were have been the main issue. I feel like Billy's done a pretty good job. The only one that people continue to point out is during the during the final quarter of the game on Saturday, we saw, or maybe it was the end of the third quarter, we saw one that had Felton, Abrinas, Corey Brewer, and then it was Adams and Patterson, or Adams and Grant. Uh, yeah, that was like a that. punishing lineups. I agree with Fred Katz. Uh, he said basically in his podcast that he just pulled out the, the main, the, the three guys and said, well, what is happening here? Yeah. You, you need to pull your expletive together. Well, and and, play a and better he, half. He's done that before too. Yeah. I, I feel like he, a lot of times he'll put in an all bench lineup just to get the ball moving again. Yes. And to show yes. them that, like you have to play this way. Now Felton kind of screwed that up by taking like a off the dribble, the longest two that yeah, you can take. Yeah. Um, but you have known shooters all over the place. So like yeah. you have Grant, you have Adams, you have Brewer, you have three known shooters. And yes, Felton take an ill advised shot in like probably three times, but there was no no space whatsoever. Like right. I would be more like and it like for me to say that Ferguson would have made more sense than Brewer in that lineup is something that I would never <laughs> think of saying uh, coming playoffs time. Yeah, uh, but it makes more sense. It does the shooting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, I I don't think that that was like a lineup where like Billy's like, all right, it's time to turn this game around with this lineup. I think no. that I think that it was a like, hey, listen, you guys aren't getting it done. Like we know this isn't going to get it done either, but you guys have got to get it together. Yes. And like if they if they end up moving the ball better and they can play, they're going to play better defense than you guys have. And I don't know if Billy said that to them, but it was definitely uh, supposed to be like an eye opener kind of thing. Like, well, why aren't we out there? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I don't know that there's anything that needs to be done lineup wise that can be changed. I think Billy is trying some stuff. Um, but this, like, I feel like I have to quote Scott Brooks over and over again. Like they just need to play better. Yeah. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. One thing that you can, uh, look at is player being completely gassed at the end of quarters. Yeah. Um, I don't know that Melo can really survive, uh, a quarter, um, playing effective defense. He did it in game one, but then after that quarter, it, it was basically gassed. Um, so I wonder uh, if trying to uh, trying to go with Melo and George in the second unit uh, and try to play Melo a bit less, so playing him for like six, seven minutes in the first quarter and putting Abrinus and Patterson and put George uh, and Melo out. Let them rest for a few minutes. Maybe rest Melo a little bit longer, even until the end of the quarter, and then start the second quarter with Melo. So that you have a few minutes with Russ, uh, Abrinus, George, uh, Patterson and Adams, then you can can either continue with George a bit more uh, or uh, bring back Brewer. Or bring back another wing like Jeremy Grant. The space is there because of 
Patterson and Abrinas. So try to uh, distribute the minutes of Melo a little bit better may increase his effectiveness, especially against favors. Because I think that one of the matchups that OKC lost completely uh, was not when Melo uh, guarded favors one-on-one, whereas when like favors was eating the glass and w- when like, Utah put uh, Melo in uh, pick and rolls uh, with favors. So if you have Melo playing like 26, 27 minutes uh, with him being more involved in the offense, because like without Russ, he will be surely more involved. I wonder if that adjustment can actually make sense because Melo can cook uh, Jarebko and favors off the dribble. Yeah. And I know that uh, if you're really, you want to have like movements and blah, blah, blah. But against Utah, having Melo uh, one-on-one can be at times, not overusing it, of course, but at times can be a good thing. And having Melo rested uh, can be a bit a bit better on the defensive end as well. So I wonder if a, th- a thing like that um, can be done. And to be like, and to be honest, like in game one, this this is basically what Billy did. I mean, Grant played just in the second quarter, and there was a Melo-led second unit at the end of the first. So um, he went away from that for some reason, and I don't know why. Yeah. You know who wasn't bad in the last game? Melo. No, he wasn't. Uh, defensively, he got killed. Uh, but offensively, he was okay, like more than okay. And mm-hmm. at times, he was also not as bad defensively. For example, that possession we were discussing before with, where um, George overhelped on favors, Melo was doing it the best defense possible. He was mm-hmm. uh, four feet from favors, four or five feet from favors uh, with, hand, with his hands semi-raised. And for no reason, George decided to help. Right. Like, um, so yeah, Melo wasn't bad. Paul, Paul's wonder, needless helping is why we saw Joe Ingles Needless helping and do, need, do what he need does. these turnovers. Yes. Like two, which are very, very related uh, as basketball stuff. Like when you have like mental drops, you can either over the ball and losing the ball or on the defensive end, completely losing an assignment. Yeah. Yeah, they had set, they had 17 turnovers and eight of those came from Russell. And I feel like I can remember almost all of them because they were that yeah. bad. And then uh, Paul had his three. Like Paul always has three turnovers, doesn't he? <laughs> like the dude, yeah. He, he, yeah. he always has three and they're always all abysmal, which is just yeah. a weird thing about Paul. Yeah, these turnovers are momentum killers. Yeah. Like when Rubio hits a contested jumper on you, that's not a momentum killer. When you lose a ball while you're on a run or you miss um, Ingles for an open three, these are momentum killers mm-hmm. because you know you were supposed to do certain stuff and you didn't. Whereas if Utah is like making mid-rangers like crazy, who cares? This is the game plan. You just stick to it. Mm-hmm. If they hit, well, you, you play the numbers. I know that it's easy, very easy to say from now, like uh, from here, uh, not being on the court. But to me, the, the reason why OKC is so uh, allergic to momentums is because they, they have these mental lapses that are incredibly uh, dangerous in a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, let's play a game and then we'll and then we'll go. Yeah. Um, the title is very funny uh, and very um, 
I don't know, it's, it's not going in the direction I want, but it's set, set down to dunk edition of fun with stats. <laughs> 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 okay, so we have three true or false and one um, top five, low five. Okay. 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 True or false, Utah made less contested shots than OKC in game three. Oh, man. True. That's false. Okay. Uh, they made the exact same number oh. and took the exact same number of contest, contested wow. shots. Wow. So it's 13 of, tw- of 27. Both that's, of them. That is weird. Yes, it's weird. That's, that's why I, I picked this true or false. And obviously, Utah made uh, 29 of 53 uncontested looks. And OKC just made 40, two, um, 24 on 51. So actually, those five shots, uh, likely corner threes, mm-hmm. are the one that that swing the game yep. uh, with free throws. And like uh, in game two, uh, actually the distribution was pretty similar. With OKC making a bit more contested jumpers than them, and Utah making more uncontested looks. Mm-hmm. So it's the series so far. Utah making more uncontested looks than, and creating more uncontested looks um, than OKC. Second question. Um, Utah is shooting better than OKC from three when open. Uh, false. False. OKC is shooting so much better. They are over 40% when open, while Utah is like under 36%. It just seems but, so. It seems so wrong. I know that it's right because I've looked it up. Oh, okay. But it seems so wrong. I triple checked. Yeah, and like OKC <laughs> is actually shooting very well from three. Yeah. The point is the number of attempts. Right. Exactly. That swings your perception. Yeah. Um, which is very important. I mean, OKC is hitting open trees. The issue, they are not generating nearly enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, shot, so, they shot 50 percent from three in game on three, wide open looks yeah and, and they were but they only shot 28 where utah shot 34 and those yeah. si- those six attempts like those matter tremendously they just do yeah they do not on, like um one can say well they lost from um, like they lost by 20 so why do you care about uh six shots that if, if you score it at 50 percent click are just nine points but the reason is, during the game, if you generate and hit those threes, the game may may not slip out of your hand. And the floor opens so, up. Yeah, exactly. And so you have more space for drives. Yep. So yeah, generating more threes is definitely one of the keys. And weirdly enough, in that first quarter of, the, of game three, OKC probably did the best job on, on any other quarters uh, in this series mm-hmm. at creating open looks. And they didn't go back to that. Um, third uh, question. Uh, Russ was better uh, when guarded by Rubio in regular season compared to the playoffs. This is a very easy one. True. That's true, but I wanted to give, to give out numbers. Okay. So when Rubio uh, was guarded by Russell Westbrook in this playoff series, uh, he generated for his team 108 points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. So the Utah, when we have the matchup, uh, Rubio guarded by Westbrook, was actually uh, a bit uh, less effective 
than is actually uh, is actual net rating uh, is actually offensive rating, which is um, 109, but mm-hmm. still pretty effective. Can you guess the same number in regular season? So the production of Utah when Russ was guarding Rubio. Uh, 101. Point eighty four. So eighty four points per hundred possession in wow. the game. Yes, that Rubio, is the major swing. Rubio has been out of. He's been out of his mind. And I've like jokingly tweeted. There's a reason that Minnesota took him instead of Curry, and like it still stands yeah. today. Like I'm also a, Ramona Shelburne said that. Oh, she did. Yeah, oh, she said like uh, somewhere can is. Uh, oh smiling. yeah. yeah. Oh, let's don't go that far. I mean. It, and it's all a joke. Like it's all a joke, but it still is. It, it just like goes to show how weird that has been. Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. so so weird. And like on the opposite side, when Russ is guarded by Rubio uh, in this uh, postseason, he's like OKC is generating um, 102, so 1.2 uh, points per possession. Yeah. Can you guess the number of the regular season? Uh, 110. 113.4. Wow. So if you sum up the two, so in the regular season, the matchup Westbrook-Rubio was plus 30 for OKC. In this playoff series is minus six. There you have it. Mm-hmm. So somehow in regular season uh, with Robertson, uh, and because Robertson played all the games, and without Gobert for two games, uh, Russ basically dominated the matchup. Rubio was unable to score, and Utah was unable to score when Russ was guarding uh, Rubio. Now, in this playoff series, it's it's actually the opposite. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's insane, and I don't know how it's sustainable. Uh, it's right that for one playoff series, you can sustain even unsustainable stuff. But uh, we'll see game four. Yeah, uh, I think uh, things can be uh, can change like quickly, as you said. Mm-hmm. And you just need two games in a row uh, of good basketball, and then mm-hmm. everything will everything can change yeah. uh, for real. Uh, so top and low, uh, probably you know that uh, from the top of your head because you're looking into this stuff. But can you tell me the low five in offensive rating for OKC and the top five in defensive rating? So the best the, the best defenders and the worst uh, on offense for OKC in terms of net rating. Uh, Russell Westbrook bottom. Yes, is the worst. Ninety three point seven. Stephen Adams. Yes, third. Ninety nine point three. Paul George. Uh, fifth. One hundred and two point four. Uh, Corey Brewer. One and one. Oh, sorry. Uh, Stephen Adams is not there. I just misread it. The, the fifth one is um, Patterson, 97.3. Okay. So Russ, Patterson, Anthony, Brewer, and George. Okay. These are the, <laughs> the low five. Uh, your top three players are in this category. And top five defensive rating. Oh, man. Let's see. Jeremy Grant. First, 102. Oh, Alex Sabrinas. Second, uh, 105.3, Ooh, which is yeah, really that's, not good. <laughs> that's not okay. Uh, Ray? No. no. Ray is very good on offense and on defense. It's like 115 and 116. Uh, like <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's just trading baskets. Right? Oh, man. Steve? No. Steven no. is particularly bad. Yes. Yeah. Um, and these are guys. It's counterintuitive, like really counterintuitive. Mellow? 
mellow, 106.4 in the third spot. Wow. That is very counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fourth is also very counterintuitive. Oh. Um, very counterintuitive. And this is not garbage time. This is. No, 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 no. no. Okay. I, I cut out like uh, Akari, Ferguson. Okay. These guys. Uh, Brewer? Brewer is fifth. 108.9. Oh. Uh, call him like a good defender is almost an insult, but let's get the fourth with 107.4. It's not Russell. It's Russell Westbrook, <laughs> which is still min- minus 14 uh, yeah. rating for mm-hmm. him. Um, but yeah, there is Russell. So Grant Tabrinas, Anthony Russell and Brewer. So lineups with Paul George and Adams has been killed by Utah for yeah. some weird very weird reason it's so weird this yeah. has been this is i mean you know like I, it was going to be a tight series most people pick you know whether you picked the thunder or utah you picked it in six or seven mm-hmm. you know like we knew this was going to be tight but it's just been the the way that it's played out has been just so strange and just it's hard to it's hard to explain a lot of it and and you know at the end of the day i feel like the jazz are doing some things that I don't think they can keep doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about the thunder. Like the thunder can't keep playing this way. Like I know yeah. they've been bad in the regular season at times uh, and they've been inconsistent, but this is like, this goes way beyond any of that. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, I, I, I just don't get it. I just feel like they're going to play better and the jazz are going to cool off in mid range. Like, I just feel like those are things that are going to happen. And will they win game four? I'm not sure. But I do believe that tonight is going to be a close game and that it's going to really come down to who's making shots in the fourth quarter. That's what game two was. Game two, really close game. And it came down to the fact that the Thunder made zero points from their, their three shot makers. And, you know, Utah got just enough from from their guys mitchell was really good they got just enough from him and that's all that it took and so mm-hmm. the, i just don't think the thunder can in a close game that they can be that bad again and you know utah's defense is good uh it's not that good it's not that good to where you these guys will not just they just won't make a shot again in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. they, they got good looks you yes. know, as much as we hate those mellow looks of, that he got at the end, like those were good looks for mellow. They really were. And if one of those goes down, it looks like a different, that game looks different. They may even have been able to, to win it. And so the, the series, although it looks game three makes it look really bad, but if like you flip flop game one and game three, you know, like it doesn't look so bad for the thunder, like the, the game two being close and the thunder winning big, but it's just the way that it's been carried out. Yeah. It looks really bad for OKC right now, but things can turn quickly because after game one, it did not look, it did not look good for Utah. Um, no. And so things, things change quickly and they have in this series. And so, you know, if they lose tonight, yeah, it's uh mathematically they can they're still in it and they're coming home and if they win game five then gain momentum win the game six and then have to come home and win game seven like that's a tall task but if they can win yeah. tonight then you have wiggle room where you know they can win back in utah on game six and you can still come back here game seven and try to wrap it up here but um 
it's an, it's a it's a really and I feel like every single game uh, ESPN or whoever calls it pivotal like every mm-hmm. game with the, the pivotal game two matchup <laughs> a pivotal game three matchup and we're here for the pivotal game four matchup I mean it's just it's hilarious but um, I guess it's true I guess but so we'll we'll see tonight the the Thunder play it's a late tip I don't think they tip till is it nine o'clock here at Central Time. Um, so I, I will be up. I've been doing these, uh, YouTube lives after the game. I'll send out a link, uh, join me for those. It's been, it's been fun for one game and not so much fun for the other two, but I've still, <laughs> still had people join me and we've, uh, been able to answer questions and we compared the, uh, game three to a bowl of cereal, uh, which, which was fun. Uh, but join me and we'll, we'll have some, we'll have some fun. Uh, win or lose and we'll uh, try to talk it out a little bit together so join me for that you can subscribe to the youtube channel i'll send out a link on the down to dunk uh, twitter account today so just go subscribe to it and join me uh, uh, should be fine we'll do i'll do some of those throughout the summer too um, i'm gonna have a little bit more time on my hands so i'll uh, try to do some more of those so uh, follow michele on twitter at mikey barra follow his project at chart underscore side uh, you can follow us at Down to Dunk. Follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Eat at Andy's Frozen Custard. Leave us some five-star iTunes reviews. You guys have been great about doing that. Uh, we just appreciate you guys and you guys listening and subscribing and telling your friends. I met somebody uh, this weekend that um, is a listener, and they'd been telling their friends about it. Like That, that makes a huge difference to us. So uh, if you guys could do that, that would be great. Uh, we will talk to you guys again Wednesday uh, with Alex Spears. We'll know uh, more, and we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, McKelly, thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you guys again then.